The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. As well as answering your gardening questions on all things from... I tell you what, we had loads on figs and all the different things that you can do with figs. Oh, listen out for that one. Laurels growing too big, what should we do with them? And exhausted bees working too hard around our garden. We'll also bring you some top tips on things you can be getting on within the garden, plus plant of the week, all feature exclusively to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And don't forget, I'll be at the Orsett Show next week. Yes, straight after the show, I'll be down the Orsett Show. Come and see me. It's a great show to go to. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Let's start then with this week's plant of the week, which is Sarasostigma. Now, that's often called poor man's plumbago. I don't really know why, because plumbago is a bit of a climber. It's the colour, I think. It's Most of them are blue and, you know, rich blue. They're often also called leadwort. So there's eight species, and they're in the plumbaganacea family. They're native, really, to sort of warm, temperate, to tropical regions of Africa and Asia, but they grow here really well. They do like full sun. They work better in full sun, um, but they're very tolerant of partial shade, but you don't get as much flower, in all honesty. They like fertile soil, but generally they're quite tolerant of most soils as long as you keep them, you know, looked after. In other words, give them a feed. They flower. When do they flower? They flower right now, from August right through to October. They're a herbaceous plant. They're hardy. And all you do is cut them back in spring. Off it goes again, growing new, new growth for the next flowering period. The other thing about them is they're a lowish herbaceous plant, only going about 0.3 of a metre. The leaves go red in autumn and the flowers are such bright blue. I did say that, didn't I? Okay, some of the varieties are paler blue and some going to purple. And the fruits in autumn are sort of bristly, bristly sort of fruit, but un- totally unimportant. The best one I reckon is Cerasostigma wilmottii forest blue. Rich blue colour. You can see it at this time of year. Use it as a ground cover. Use it as the edge of a wall. Use it as on the edge of absolutely anything. But it's a fantastic plant. Go out and see them. They'll be in flower in your garden centres and retail nurseries. Or perhaps uh, you'll see them in other people's gardens and it'll encourage you to grow one. Cerastostigma. Cerastostigma. And the one I like is Wilmotiana Forest Blue. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, I will bring you some top tips on things you can be doing in the garden this week. But let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with Janet in Hatfield, Peveril. Hello, Ken. What um, have you got for us? A question about... I've been given an orchid, but yep. it's, um, it's 
one with the flowers up either side. It's about 15 inches tall, I think. Um, the flowers have just died off. Yeah. Um, and I, I've not, and the, the, um, it's in a, just a very small flower pot, about four inch. But the, the roots are covered. They're not sort of outside like they, the other orchids that you has have. It, has it got a clear pot or not a clear pot? Uh, no, it isn't clear. Right, you said the flower. So the flower, the flowers are not the pansy shape shape flower. No. No, they're like a more of a little star shape, but a with. Um, ah, and it's five. a very it's a very upright flower, and it's got white flowers on it. Yes. Right? Yes, I know the one you mean. Um, right. Do I just cut that <clears throat> off now? No. No, you wait till it has uh, deteriorated, in other words. It's, it'll fade in colour eventually, then you remove it. Um, I've found, if I'm honest, that one is quite difficult to get to reflower, but I've heard also other people tell me that they can get them into reflower. It's just perhaps I'm not... Oh, perhaps I'm not green-fingered enough, eh, Janet? Anyway, um, that's well, there what... are all two more <clears throat> small shoots, shoots coming. Yep. Uh, well, they're about six inches high. Brilliant. Brilliant. Awesome. So, so I'll keep, just leave them, shall yeah, I? Keep feeding it, and it is one that you haven't got to worry about the roots hanging out. Keep it in its pot because it's obviously happy. Um, they don't need a big pot, so you'd be better to grow it as it is. Yeah, give it a bit of a misting if, if you can to help it on its way. Wait yeah. till, the, till that flower spike um, uh, sort of deteriorates and then remove it. Okay? Just cut it off at the bottom, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yes, thanks very much. That's a pleasure. That's Janet from Hatfield Peveril, <clears throat> and we have Brian from Pitsy. Hello, Brian. Hello there, Ken. Um, yeah, slightly different to having you all want to go down. How is it best to eradicate uh, bracken? I've uh, recently moved into a property, and the garden has been left for months, and it was... Uh, uh, sort of right. two or okay. three foot high with bracken. I've, I've removed them, but obviously with the perfect uh, weather conditions that they've had in recent weeks, yeah. they've come back with a vengeance. Now, are we... You see, bracken, in theory, bracken is the ferns. Are we talking that or are we talking blackberry? A blackberry, yeah. Right, OK. Like brambles and blackberry, yeah? Yeah. Right, okay, yeah. so you've cut them down, you've cut them off. Now, how low to the ground did you cut them? Right to the top, and some sort of pulled up with right. root on them. Brilliant, but... brilliant. Okay, so what? how high are they now? Um, in, I'd say sort of in the, the two weeks since doing yeah. it, they've, uh, they've come back a good sort of foot and a half two foot high again right bit high okay yeah. uh, cut the tops yeah. off cut the tops off again cut them down yeah. and as they grow you want them about six inches just as they emerge that's about what you want to do and then you want to use i would use sbk on them right it's a, it's a good weed killer be careful you don't get it onto other plants that you 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 value because it will kill those as well but sbk is the one that you want but i would cut them off again and wait six inches six six to eight inches maximum and then you'll have to spray them several times to eradicate them is that all right, right okay yeah that's brilliant don't forget it, it. Would the, yep would, 
would that be would that be similar because we've got like um, the elder running through as well? Ground um, elder, ground bit. well, ground elder would be more difficult to to get rid of. But yes, ground elder will be eradicated with that as well. But it will take longer. You won't get rid of it in one one fell swoop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant, Ken. Okay. Thanks Pleasure. very much for the help. Okay, that's Brian in Pitsy, and we go now to Richard in Romford. Hello, Richard. Hello, Ken. I don't know about um, about three or four weeks. Well, maybe a bit longer than that. I've I've got that butternut uh, growing in uh, the pot. But, is that the squash? Butternut squash. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you said, "How am I going to hold the fruit up?" And it grows. Yes, we did. We uh, discussed that, didn't we? We did, yeah. What I've done, <laughs> I've cut me uh, wife's tights up and put two iron stakes in to hold the fruit up. That's a good idea. They grow, I should think they're ripening well because they're hanging down, aren't they? They are, yes. But um, when shall I pick that fruit, Ken? Because um, they're green at the moment. Um, do I have to take them off the, the plant that- or...? They've, leave no, them they, on there. no, leave them on until they go a creamy brown colour. Wait till oh, they go a creamy colour. All right? Oh, a creamy colour. Yeah. Okay, then. All right, Richard. All right. Okay, and Ken, thanks very much. That's a pleasure. That's Richard. And we go to Stuart in Mersey Island. Oh, Mersey Island, aren't you, Stuart? What what you got for us? Well, I've got two things, Ken. Uh-huh. First, uh, my sister-in-law's wondering... Uh, how, when do you prune passion fruit? Right now, is it is it a passion fruit or is it a passion flower? Has she got uh, the? She's got the fruit on the on the bush growing up, up a shed. Yeah, but it still might be a passion flower with the fruit. Right, they're quite they're they're, they're not hundred percent hardy. If we have a hard hard winter, you want to really leave it till the spring. So all I would do at this time of the year is cut the bits off that are in your way, or you prune it to shape. That's it. Mm-hmm. If not, leave it alone. And then you prune in the spring and take out some of the some of the wood will die through the winter period and you can cut some of the dead wood out and you can re retrain it as it grows in the spring. Okay, Dick, I shall tell her that. And the other thing, Ken, was um I was sitting up we was talking about you was talking about bees the other week. Yeah. Well I was sitting up up the garden and watching these bees buzzing around. Uh-huh. A large bumblebees. Yeah, he's going around like potty. Then later on, I looked on the floor outside my shed, and there's one kicking about, just about alive. Yeah. So I picked it up, looked at it, and on the back, I thought, what's that sticking in its neck? I got a bit of wire, and I pricked it, pulled it out, and it was a a very thin, I'll say, maggot. Right. And that was in, well, it was eating its head, eating it, wasn't it? Yeah. So I just I just threw it on the floor, and of course it died. And there's been a couple more laying about there dead. There are some problems with bees, but I'm I have to be honest, and I'm not an expert on bees. In fact, they were talking bees, weren't they, on Ray's program as well that's this right, morning? That's right. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, there are a couple of problems with bees, and that's perhaps one of them. But uh, it is sad to see, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The small bumblebees, which I've got in the garden, flying around, they're all right. There's yeah. no, none of them have been touched. But no. this. 
bum will be had. Ah, sad, isn't it? Anyway, thank you for that. And if anybody knows, and if anybody knows exactly what Stuart was talking about, the problem, whether it is a problem, a beekeeper is listening. We'd be pleased to hear from you. And we go to Maureen in Hullbridge. Hello, Maureen. Hello, Ken. Um, I've got a couple of black currant bushes and about yep. four or five gooseberry bushes. Yeah. Um, last year I had no fruit, and again this year no fruit. I've had them for about five years, five, six years. So I'm wondering, do they have a shelf life? Should I replace no, them? No, no, they're young. They're young. A blackberry and gooseberry of five years is, is quite young. I mean, oh, my, right. when, I, when I lived at home with my dad, we had a plot with uh, black currants and gooseberries. And in fact, they were there for, well, all the time I can remember, they were there 10, 15 years. So no oh, really? problem at all. Now, are you pruning them at all? Um, well, funnily enough, um, while I was waiting for your program to start, I did actually cut a couple of the uh, gooseberry bushes down. Um, well, don't cut them right down because they actually fruit on this year's wood. So the right. wood that's produced this year, they will fruit on next year. So what you need to do is thin your gooseberries and let some air get into them. Right. That's all you do. And the black currants, again, you take out your old fruiting wood that would have fruited this year, but you haven't got any. So look for your new wood right. that's created this year, and that's the wood you've got to look after. Well, are you, and are you feeding them at all? Are you giving them any humus or, you know, compost? I have um, given them, um, you know, just an ordinary uh, feed. Um, maybe I haven't given them enough. <laughs> <laughs> give them a I good do feed it on a regular basis. Yeah, I would. I'd still give them a bit of bit of compost now to keep them keep them right. going, and then in the spring start feeding them about March time. But I'm surprised you've got no fruit this year at all because it hasn't been a bad year for fruit. No, that's right. That's hmm. what I thought. Um, the only thing is the black currants are actually in very large pots. Are they better ah, off in the soil? They are better off in the soil, right. and your black currants might be struggling this year because obviously we had that very wet spring. Yes. Um, if they were in a pot, they might still have not got enough water, believe it or not, if they're right. in a container. And, of course, this summer will have um, done them a lot of mischief as well. If you've got room, get them in the ground. They're much, much better in the ground. I'll do that. Thank you very much, Ken. That's a pleasure, Maureen. Thank you. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips that I've got for you this week. Trimming your lavender. If you haven't already, the lavender is fading. And we've been, I know, doing a huge hedge of lavender. And the interesting thing is it's been interplanted um, with with other plants as well. But you have to trim it all down together because if not, it really doesn't work. So get those dead heads off and you need to go into the foliage slightly. Use shears or secateurs, but go down into, the, into that foliage and that way you will encourage new growth. Don't cut too deep. If you cut too deep into it, you'll damage it. Um, and if you've got rosemary growing in it as well, cut that back as well, even though it grows a bit faster and a bit taller. You can, if you're very good, you can keep some of those lavender stems. You can put them indoors. They smell quite nice. And if you dry them off, you could brush the seeds out and then you could use that 
in your drawers as well. Bit old-fashioned lavender, but still a good old favourite of mine. A lavender hedge could look absolutely fantastic. So trim it back now. In the spring, don't forget to give it a blooming good feed and take, let it take off in the spring. So what else we got for you? Well, in the vegetable pot, we should be harvesting our carrots, our French beans and our runner beans and keep harvesting because that way you get more vegetables coming on all the way through. Also, you could be sowing a bit of winter lettuce and spinach at this time of the year and prepare the ground in readiness for the broad beans. Yeah, the garlic cloves and the winter onion sets. Gardening doesn't stop just before winter. As you run into autumn, there's still plenty to do in the garden. So they are. Don't forget, prepare the ground in readiness for new crops and keep harvesting. There's nothing like a carrot pulled from the garden and chewed. God, a bit of dirt on it. Doesn't hurt anyone. Anyway, let's get straight back to your gardening questions now. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Interestingly that um, we were talking figs earlier on and uh, uh, there's a note from Bill in Basildon saying fig jam is lovely. Yeah, fig jam, you see, that's something else you can do with figs because I tell you what, there's a lot of figs around this year. There really are. Let's go to Colin in Leon C. Hello, Colin. Oh, good morning. I've inherited a laurel hedge that's been left for several years and it's now about 15, 16 foot high. Okay. And the stems, you know, the trunks are around about two and a half inches diameter. Fine, yep. I would like to cut it down and reinstate it as something like six or seven foot high. Yeah. Can I cut the trunks down? How low should I cut them? Right. Can I do it at all? Yes, should you... I take them out and start again? No, don't take them out. Never, never waste laurels because laurels will just grow. Laurels are fantastic plants. Uh, they're, they're, they're tough as old boots and you can do pretty well what you like with them. So I, I would even do it now. Honestly, yeah, I'm, I'm cutting them down. Yep. Can I cut the trunks down? How close you, should I cut them? You can cut them as low as you want to. I mean, if you're what size, what height head are you aiming to go back to eventually? Something like about six or seven foot. Right, that means you could cut them down. There'll be several branches at the bottom, which means that I would cut them down to about three, three and up, three to four feet. That way, the side branches will produce new shoots. And you'll be able to get up to your six foot very easily. If you get from four, you've only got two foot of height to grow. They will also grow out from the base as well if you do hard pruning like that. And you'll get a nice thick hedge again. It'll get nice and dense. It will indeed. Oh, it'll, wonderful. You, you'll have to wait a little while. It's not going to happen overnight. It'll oh, look yeah, a, so there's, there's no rush, but I say at the moment it's 15, yeah. 16 foot high. Too big. You can't look after a hedge that high, can you? No. You know, it's unmanageable, as they say. Yeah. Well, I say, well, I would like a nice, you know, six, seven foot high. Yeah. So about three or four, three or four foot up from the three ground. Three or four foot up from the ground and then give it a blooming good feed in the spring. Yeah. Ah, right. Good feed, keep it well watered, and I'll tell you what, that will take off like Billio. Anyway, thank you very much for your help. That's a pleasure. And don't forget that number to call is 0800 111 We go now to Bishop Stalford and talk to Bill. Hi, Bill. Good morning. Uh, I wonder if you could explain something for me. Yeah. Uh, I bought a climbing rose in the spring and I planted it as I bought a new arch. Well, I bought two, actually. 
<clears throat> and the one I'm talking about, it was a lovely yellow rose. Yep. Right now, it's it's died. The actual plant, the I took the, the dead off, the dead leaves, uh, dead uh, flowers off, and now it's coming out pink. And I was wondering, how can you explain it going from yellow to pink? <laughs> well, it shouldn't. Have you got your radio on at the moment? Because we're getting a, a. Oh yes, sir. Yeah, hang on. Yeah, if you can turn that off. Um, what you've got to think about is with roses. It. I wonder whether you've got a. Have you got? Do you know what the rose was, Bill? Hello. Do you know what the rose was? Um, all I know was a, a yellow climbing rose. That's all I know. I bought a white one and all. That seems to be all right. But as I say, I, I bought a new arch. Because and it, the and was it a, was it a pure yellow? Yes. Pure... Yes. Yeah, really deep yellow. Mm. It was. I think it's just you know it's just a throwback, and it's having a it and it's the same shape flower. It's not come yes, for, no, off no, a new it's shoot. That's, that's the same shape, but it's just come out pink, and I I couldn't understand why it was yellow, beautiful yellow on the first lot, and the yellow and second lot's coming out pink. Does sometimes happen with plants that they just sort of change what they're doing, but it should go back to yellow. You should oh, have right. yellow next year. Oh, if right. it isn't, give me a call because I'd be very interested to see what it's done if it's completely yeah. different. Okay, then I'll have to remember that. Okay. Right, thank you very much. Much obliged. That's Bye-bye. a pleasure, Bill. That's Bill from Bishop Stortford, and we go to Tony in Basildon. Hi, Tony. Ken, good morning to you. Hi. Um, I've just had to replace my greenhouse heater. Yes. Um, after some 40-odd years. Well, you've done, um, well with the, done well with the old one, then. Yeah, it, very good. Very good indeed. The only trouble is the new one I bought... Um, it's not indicating. What I want to really know is I grow pelagonians and fuchsias. Yep. And I do lots of cuttings. Now, years ago, someone told me the optimum temperature to keep them growing without costing you a fortune in electricity. Now, I forgot what that temperature was. Well, we're... The thing is, you haven't really got to keep them growing through the winter period. You've got to keep them sustainable. So, in other words, you, you know, you've got to keep it above freezing. So, you're keeping it at about three or four degrees will be fine, and that way you wouldn't lose your cuttings because you're going to take your. Have you taken your cuttings now? I've taken some. Yeah, if you take no, them, will continue over the next few weeks. Yes, because if you do it now, you'll get them rooted, which means that they'll travel through the winter quite successfully. And so that's the. That's the really important thing. People take cuttings too late on in into the winter. Yeah, I so, normally start my mid-August and carry on yep. through to the second week in September. Something yeah. Like that. So if you keep them about three or four degrees, you'll keep them alive, and that's all you've got to worry about, isn't it? In, indeed, indeed. All right. Well, thanks for your help. That's okay. Uh, that's... Let's, open, let's open the new uh, heater. It's as good as the old one. That's the trouble. I, oh, it ain't like it used to be, is it, Tony? <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> OK, Tony, let's know how you get on with it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And we go to Carmen near Clacton. Don't forget that number to call is 0800 4041. And hello, Carmen. Hello. Uh, you know, you were talking about figs. Somebody's we... got a lot of figs. Yes, we were indeed. You just eat them like a fruit, like normal fruit. Yes, you do, um, but I That's think it, all you do. Yes, but what we were talking about is if Carmen, if people have too many. I mean, we have a, a, a guy that we look after his garden, and he's has had yeah. hundreds and hundreds of figs on his tree. The well, wasp, the wasps are enjoying them now, but because they've gone over. Oh no, I love them. Send they, me some. <laughs> send you some. They are fantastic, aren't they? 
Oh, I love them, and have, if I buy them from the shops, it costs me a bomb. They do, and they're, they're not as nice and tasty. Do you not grow any at all, Carmen? No, not myself. Because, uh, well... So, I, so you eat them fresh. What else would you do with them if you had hundreds of them? Well, store them somewhere. And how would you store them? Do you dry them? Yeah, as, as you said, with sugar and dry them and put them in the in the jars and uh, for the winters. And then you can enjoy and then you can enjoy them in the winter. And in fact, yeah. um, as someone else has said, I think it's Mary in Grey. She said, it, "If you put fig and ginger together, they make a lovely jam." How about that? That's right. Yeah. And I mean, in Malta, we have a lot, and that's how we eat them, like a normal fruit. Yeah, they are gorgeous, aren't they? And, and oh it's... yeah. And please send me some. <laughs> please send you some. They are Carmen near Clacton wants some figs. So if you've got loads of figs, you know where to send them. You send them to Carmen. Thank you very much for your call, Carmen. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye there, Bye. Carmen. Carmen, an enthusiastic person about her figs, and uh, they oh, make jam. You can put them in sugar water. Fig, fig, fig. John from Braintree. What are we talking about? Um, good morning. Yeah, I've planted years and years ago two laurel trees. Yes. And they uh, sort of sprout off to about four stems on each tree, right? Mm. And they're as high as the house now. <laughs> yeah, okay. So what should I do with them? Just leave them because they're like a big tree doing good nick. And I know they drop a lot of leaves because of the dry weather we've had. They drop, yeah, the, they produce yellow leaf. But the answer is really, John, is you can do what you like with them. You can you can prune them very hard, which is what we were talking about a bit earlier on in the programme. Yeah. Or you can just keep them trimmed and let them grow as trees because laurel does, as you quite rightly say, produce an attractive large bush stroke tree. Or you prune it hard. It yeah, will well, make. Like I said, they're, they're... Yeah, like I said, they're higher than the house. I can't, you know, I'll have to get someone in because they're, they're higher than the house. But the bottom half, I have pruned, so it's like what is the gap. And they do, got, they have got some suckers. I prune them back. Yeah. So they'll start to grow. But they, they're like a big, huge tree at the moment. And in this area, it's the only tree, trees we've got. So I'd leave well alone. Leave them. John, leave well alone and enjoy them. If they're not causing a problem with your house or your garden, leave them alone. Thank you very much. Okay, John. Laurels have grown a lot this year. They really have. Just a very quick one here. uh, When can I prune my plum tree? There are some months when it can cause the bleed, aren't there? It's not about bleeding, Simon, in Little Baddo. It's not about the bleeding. It's actually getting infections into the the actual... uh, uh, into the plum tree itself. Um, there's several diseases that can get in, so you actually prune them now. August, great time to prune them. Okay, Simon, and we go back to the phones, and we go to John. No, we did, John. We're going to Albert in Matching Tie, aren't we, Albert? Yes, um, Ken. What would you like <laughs> to talk about? What would you well, like to talk about? Regards, regard me long. Yeah. I've got, I mean, the grass is lovely and green in places That's now. That's good, yeah. It, but it looks like crazy paving. It's dead in, you know, it's dead in places, yep. green in others. It is. It, it's very patchy. 
It's very patchy, and what we're finding is when you look at, you know, I, I go around and look at a lot of gardens in the week as well. I do a bit of work in gardens, and I'm finding exactly what you're saying. And what is fascinating me is that what you'll see is that the coarse, coarser the grass, the quicker it's come back. So the coarse grasses and the weed have come back. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you'll but, see a daisy come up. and Yeah, lots of weed. So it's a great time to get rid of the weed, use a liquid lawn weed killer, yeah? But, yeah, yeah? But also, you've just got to be patient. Don't feed the lawn at all, even with an autumn, autumn, uh, autumn lawn food yet, until the lawn is green. All right? So you think it will come back? I'm convinced they'll come back. I listened to it's a program. It's been a long, long while, you know. Yeah, I mean, but... we had that dry spell when yep. it really started to appear. Yeah. You know, and now, obviously, there's lovely green grass in places. Yeah. But in others, it's just... I think, <laughs> I think you'll find that it will come back. I, I have great faith in grass. They are, Albert. All right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, lo- lovely anyway. Okay. Let's keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> okay, Albert. Thank you very okay, much okay, indeed. Thanks. Thank you. That's Albert. And Bill in Basildon says, the biggest fig tree I've ever seen is outside Tower Hill Station. I wonder how it is. Do you know you're right? There is. As you come down the steps there, there is a big fig tree. Yes. Um, I wonder if it's got figs on it. I haven't been to Tower Hill Station for a long time, and I definitely haven't been there this summer, so I actually don't know the answer to that. Has it got figs on it, Bill, from Basildon? Let us know. You can text us uh, on 81333, and I will let people know whether it's got figs on and whether you should, perhaps, uh, perhaps you can go up there and uh, do a bit of cropping there. Um, perhaps you're not allowed. Let's uh, now go back to where we go. Well, I tell you where we're going. We're going to June in Walton on the Nays. Sunny Walton on the Nays, isn't it, June? It is sunny at the moment. Thank you very much. Good. Good morning, Ken. Hi. Ken, I sent you an email yesterday. Oh, did you? Oh, dear. Yes, right. Yeah, I was hoping you would have looked at it because um, <laughs> I don't know if she's written it down for you. I have a Gleditsa. Gleditsa, yeah. and Canthia. Yeah. or something, um, and I sent you pictures of what happened to no. it. I can't. No? F- I, I'll be honest. I'm just looking at the emails. I can't find your email. It doesn't seem to be there, so I don't understand why not. Oh, anyway, tell us more then. T- describe what's happening to it. Um, well, it, it's been a beautiful tree, but this it didn't like this severe winter, and it died. Right? Or we thought it died. It looked like it died. No shoots whatsoever this year. Uh, You know, it doesn't come out till later anyway, does it, in the year? No, you're right. Anyway, um, nothing at all. And then the first thing I noticed was shoots in the grass. A couple of shoots, about four foot from the tree. Um, So then the next thing I noticed at the base of the tree, there's two shoots. And one of these shoots now has come up. It's six foot tall. Looks like a a lovely bush, and the the other one isn't quite so tall. There's still odd shoots coming up in the grass, but nothing on the main tree. Right. Basically, it they do sucker quite a lot. Uh, Gladitsias. They're they're known to sucker. And you don't necessarily, if it's a grafted one, which some of them are grafted, you might not get a true tree. Is the whole tree got anything, any good growth on it at all at the top? No, can't find anything. I've broken, no. 
you break bits off and it snaps. Right, it's... OK. What has happened is Eucalyptus has struggled with that wet spring. That's what's killed it. I'm sure it's the wet spring. Yes? Right. Is it a wet garden? You're in clay? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you know, we're all clay here, aren't we? But you it's are. not especially uh, boggy parts. No, really. but it, it was a very wet winter, and I think that it's died through that. It's not a very old... How old's the tree? I couldn't tell you, because we've been here 16 years, and it was well established mm. when we came. I think that's what's happened to it. It has struggled with the spring, and I'm afraid that's gone. Um, it might oh, be yeah, worth... Will they grow into a tree? What? Well, some will, but I wouldn't let them grow everywhere because it'll it'll produce them everywhere. It'll stick them up through paving and everywhere if you're not careful. But if you've got one close by to the tree itself, you could try growing one up, put a stake against it and work it up. Let it be a oh, single no, shoot. You know, you'd think from 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 the tree itself, but they're oh. not. They're coming from the ground. So there's two right. right close to the tree. And one of these, I've had to touch twice because it's six foot tall. Right. Keep those growing up and get rid of all the others. But you need to chop them off. Just chop them off with a spade or a mattock where they yeah, keep coming up. what about the tree? Should we cut the tree down? Get, get rid of the tree because it's dead. Yeah? Right. So definitely cut that and just leave these. Yeah, and see what happens to them and let me know. Can you, June? So would would you? No, it won't be a tree. It's more like a bush. So would you? No, get, you just cut off the lower branches or cut off the lower branches and train that single stem up until it gets up to about five to six feet. Pinch the top out then, and it will sprout from the top, and then you can produce a tree. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's definitely it's it's over taller than me. It's over five foot. Give it a go. Okay. Right. Okay, thank you very much. That's June from Walton on the Nays, and we now go to Terry in Roxwell. Hello, Terry. Hi, Terry. Have you got that wrong? I'm Terry in Broxbourne. Broxbourne. Hello, Terry in Broxbourne. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly wrong. Uh, right, I've got a, a, a Texas Golden Irish U. Yes. Which is very, very tall and slim, and uh, I mean, I've had it about 40 years, and I want to reduce it. Over the years, I've done it a few times, and it went up, it says it goes, like, I've got the old label, it says it goes up to six foot in 10 years. Well, I mean, it's been up sort of 12 foot, and I've reduced it, but I can't remember when I used it last time, the right time to do it. And I want to take two foot off it, because it's eight foot now, and I want to be able to manage it now I'm a bit older um, from the ground, you see. Right. And uh, I've never trimmed it at the top. I've let it grow naturally. But once it gets to this height, I will probably trim it each year. Yep. So is now the best time or in the spring? I Quite honestly, you've still got enough growing time for this year. Yeah. I would trim you now. Uh, trimming ewes, worth trimming ewes everywhere still at this time of year. Yeah. You won't do it any harm at all no. as long as it is happy and it's growing well at the moment because yew trees this year, if through that dry period, have struggled a bit. Yes. As long as you haven't got an excess of brown on it or anything like no, that, no, no. it's looking I mean, good. The, yeah, that, that's not the last time I did it, but I mean the top is just growing naturally. I've never trimmed it and I like it like right. that. And um, what I've done in the past, because we're getting wide at the top, I... Yep. I've always put like a nylon rope and lassoed it and pulled it all in tight. So it's quite... I've never trimmed the outside very much at all, but it's just the yeah. height. So nope. now he's OK. He's now it's like, just fine. No problem at all. OK, because right. the only thing is you probably... From the upstairs window, it looks horrible for you. Yeah. <laughs> it could it'd probably take about a year or two to come back again, doesn't no, it? No, you'll find... No, you'll find nope. if you take the top...
top out, you'll be back within a year. You won't even we'll know win. that the top's gone. Right. So the winter won't have any detrimental effect no, on it. No, not so at all. I do that. Okay, I appreciate your help. Thank you okay. very much. Okay, that's Bye-bye. Terry. Terry coming from Hertfordshire. Uh, and don't forget that number to call is 0800 4041. We have a line free at this very moment. And we're going to talk to Florence from Elm Park. Hello, Florence. Oh, hello. Um, I've just been mentioning I bought purchasely uh, recently. I've purchased um, a scarifier. A scarifier, yep. Yes. And uh, I used it once over the grass and I picked up three bags of dried grass and okay. it looks a lot better for it. But I wondered how many times a year can I use it? Well, it, how much have you... I mean, what's your lawn look like that you've done the scarifying over it at the moment? Pretty rough. Pretty rough. Well, yes. that's why I would not go over it again then. What I would do is, because we've had quite suitable weather for seeding, I would overseed, get some good quality seed, scatter a bit of that onto the bits that are bad. Yes. And then I would scarify possibly again in the spring as long as that seed has taken sufficiently through the winter period. Remember, we don't know what this autumn's going to be like or the spring, do we? Oh, that's true. So you could do it again in the spring. Okay, thank you very much. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, I have got some more tips for you. Guess what? I'm talking lawns. Cut those lawns. Just because they've started to grow and you think, oh, well, it hasn't all grown back. There'll be tufts here, tufts there. But I tell you what, I bet the weeds are up. So get out there and cut it. Cut it regularly now and keep the blade fairly high. Don't cut it too low because you will damage and you might, you know, do a bit of damage to the thatch that's still there. So cut it, cut those edges, tidy that garden up. It really wants to be tidied up. And there's nothing better than doing that with the lawn. The lawn can look better, even if it's patchy with grass, when it's cut, particularly if you're cutting with a mower with a rear roller and it cut it in lines, it looks fantastic. So they are lawn cutting and edges. What else are we going to do? Well, great time to put liquid lawn weed killer on those weeds because they are growing faster than the grasses at the moment. And I would put on some uh, liquid lawn weed killer. See that it is lawn weed killer and not a total lawn weed killer and apply it either with a watering can or a sprayer and you'll find you'll get very good results. If you do put a lawn weed killer on, don't use those cuttings on the um, don't use the cuttings on the on the compost heap actually. So they are that's something to look out for. It'll soon be time to put an autumn uh, feed on as well. Give it another couple of weeks, get into end of August, beginning of September and I would suggest that you then uh, use a autumn lawn food. An autumn lawn food will do the lawn so much good, it strengthens the roots and gives the plants, well, the plants, I'm talking about the grass, but it makes it grow from the base and it will take off in the spring. So they are lawn weed killing and lawn feeding. Keep listening to the podcast, so there's still more hints and tips to come. 
the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. And I'd just like to jump in here with something that it is gardening related and uh, it is that Peter Seabrook, MBE, has been given an honorary degree from Riddle University College, which is rather nice. Peter, again, is someone that used to come in to the programmes here at BBC Essex with me. He was he was always a great help to me and um, he, was, <laughs> he was someone who was quite happy to criticise my... Uh, my answering of my questions here at BBC Essex in the very early days. And uh, I took it very well from someone who knows how to do, as they say, he's done radio, television, books, and he's a very respected gentleman within the horticulture industry. So I congratulate Peter Seabrook uh, for getting that honorary degree. Nice, nice to hear about it. Let's go back to the phones now. And uh, we start with Alan from Rettenden. Hello, Alan. Hello there. I've got a, a red delicious apple tree. It's about eight foot high and eight foot in diameter. Lovely. I've got about 60 apples on it, and most of them have got brown rot. Right. And those that haven't got brown rot have been attacked by the codlin moss in spite of the fact that I've put um, traps up. Right. Can you sort of... Tell me if there's any remedy for brown rot. No, there is no pure remedy for brown rot other than seeing that you remove all those rotten apples and get them away from your garden. Don't keep them on the compost heap. You've got to get rid of them. So in other words, put them in your brown bin or whatever colour the bin is that goes to council. Now also, you've got to collect all your leaf from below that tree as well because if not, it will spread and the spores will come back onto the tree and therefore get back into the apples. Cleanliness is the only thing that you can do for brown rot. Right. And as for the codling codling moth, good luck with the codling moth because you just have to keep trying, don't you? But right. see, see that with the codling moth trap, that yeah, you put it, you put it in the tree just as the flowers are there, because that's when you've got to get it in there. Yeah. Another interesting thing, I've got, I've got flowers on a magnolia bush. Yes, I've noticed that in some of the gardens we go to. Yeah, they're, they're having a bit of a confusion, I think. I think it's because we've had that hot spell and then we've gone into some periods where we've got cold nights and I think the cold nights have confused the bushes. Right, but, OK then. But they'll Thank flower you. again in the spring, Alan, and keep those, keep it nice and clean and you will hopefully get better apples in the future. We go to John uh, from Chingford. Hello, John. Hello there, OK. I've got some squirrels that have been busy in my garden. They're picking, putting in peanuts. Peanuts? Yeah. Do you feed peanuts to the birds, do you, oh, then? I don't know. I don't feed the peanuts to anybody, only myself. Right. I like peanuts, but uh, I've got... I'm digging over my little plot, which is about 12 by 10, taking the potatoes out, and uh, I saw these long, spiky white things coming up. I thought, what the hell are they? When I unearthed them, there was a peanut attached to the bottom. Incredible. Absolutely. It's incredible. Um, of course, they're not hardy, and therefore you'd need to um, you'd need to actually see that you grew them indoors. Have you tried, you know, p- sort of moving them on at all? No, no. You could I try. Are you going to tr- are you going to try potting them up? Is it worth it? 
Well, it's a bit of fun. You could grow them on well, the windows. That's, that's, that's all I do. I just sort of stuff in the ground myself. But the peanut, the squirrels are helping me put the stuff in the ground now. So, uh, no, I don't know. Because uh, I've been looking online and apparently they only sort of mature in the deep south of America. That's right. Yeah. Any white, white weather with that down there. So I don't think they're, do, they're mature to anything, will they? No, they they sometimes produce peanuts in. I mean, I know Thompson Morgan used to sell them years ago as 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 a bit of a fun crop that you could grow indoors on the windowsill. And that's what what I'm going from is that yes, in theory, on a windowsill they could produce peanuts, but, but then it, then the size of the root ball would be about the size of a football, wouldn't it? A bit, it well, you no, they grow them smaller than that. If you put it in a six inch pot, you'll get something, but I mean, you won't get a lot. I think it's just a fun thing, John. Why don't you put one in and have a go, John, and then you can keep us in touch with your peanuts. How about that? I might do that. I might do that. I'll see if I can find it. I'll dig them. I've got three of them there. I'll see if I can find one of them. Yes, I might do that. Give it a go. Let us know, John, how you get on. We'd be interested to hear from you. And we go to Gary from Tiptree. Hi, Gary. Hello there. What you got for hey. us? Um, I've got my own little vegetable plot. Yeah. Um, um, something has been attacking all my green vegetables and there's no trail of anything at all. There's no footprints for any rabbits or anything. There's no slug trails. There's no caterpillars. And I've got no idea what's doing it. Well, you see, what what you're describing actually sounds like... I mean, what you're actually describing uh, actually sounds... Sounds like a cabbage white butterfly. Is it what? Where are the holes? Is it holes or are they down the ground? What, what what's happening to them? They've been taken right down to the stalks, right down to the ground. Down to yeah, the stalks. Yeah. Do you get rabbits in there at all? No, I say it's it's pretty soft soil. There's no footprints or anything. No rabbit droppings. No sign of anything there at all. I've I've been spraying it with um, bug clear, and they started to come back, but. Uh, I just can't understand what's been eating them. Well, if they've started to come back, you've obviously got possibly got rid of the pests, but I would have thought that you'd have seen holes. Sounds like cabbage white that you're describing, but, of course, you'd have seen bits on the side being taken away. So it, there's no yeah. real simple answer because what if it's down to the ground, it's usually a rabbit or a pest like that. You say that it isn't that. Therefore, there's not much you can go by other than caterpillar, quite honestly. Yeah, uh looks like caterpillars but there's no larvae or anything no you might you might not see them and also some of the some of the moth caterpillars you might not even spot they're pretty tiny so i think that's what you've got and don't overdo with the spraying because remember it's an edible crop so be careful that you read the instructions very carefully i actually bought some clotters and put over them and it stopped for a while and then it started again yeah see pigeon the other thing that will strip a strip a green veg yeah. yeah. And one other quick question, runner beans. Yep. When the bean is just forming, yes. something taking them off as well. Any idea? I would guess that they're not being taken off. Sparrows pick at them and they drop off. Or alternatively, they're not pollinating properly, which has happened a lot this year, and they then drop. So it could there's be that. There's nothing on the floor. They're just some, something but, that's been eating. That's what it looks like. Sounds like birds because caterpillars and that don't eat don't eat the actual bean itself. And um, what has been eating the cabbages and spinach and 
all the other green vegetables, they've left the le- lettuces alone. That is strange, because lettuce is more appetising in some ways, isn't it? Yeah? Yeah. So, anyway, so if, if you spot anything, come back to us and let us know. Can you, Gary? Yeah, will do. Thanks. OK, thanks. thank you for your call. That's Gary in Tiptree. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden. Now, pick up your windfall apples, pick up your windfall pears, pick up your windfall plums, especially if you have brown rot. Now, brown rot is easily identified. It The, the fruit goes brown. It has sort of creamy white pistils on it. Cleanliness is the only thing that you can cure uh, with brown rot, cleanliness, leaf, clear up the leaf, clear up the fruit. Don't put them in your compost heap. Go and put them in the council bin and get rid of them. Also, if you leave windfills, the mower makes a mess of them. You get wasps. Uh, a lot of my customers have even got rabbits, and I don't mind the rabbits having a chew at them, but as the day wears on, they get a bit nasty, so we go and pick them up because they also damage the lawn as well. So they are. Let your rabbits enjoy the early morning breakfast and then it's up to you to pick the windfalls up. Now, now, what else have we got for you? I still like to go through the fruit trees because a lot of the apples people pick too early and a lot of apples mature into the autumn. And as it's got a little bit cooler at night, the sun comes out and yes, it's quite warm in the day, but I like to still prune round the apples. Doesn't hurt, cut back to two or three buds and allow the light to get to your fruit. Um, I heard old Bob Flowerdew saying that you can still thin it out. And yes, you still can thin fruit out, because if you've got too many in a cluster, they won't ripen up as well. So they are. Do a bit of summer pruning still, uh, and let the fruit see the light. A lot of those, don't prick Bramley's too early. Don't prick those... uh, Egmont russets too early, coxes, all those apples that mature later on. Don't pick them yet. Well, I've got more tips for you for the next seven days later on in the podcast. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Just a reminder that next weekend I'll be at the Orsett Show on the 1st of September, straight after the programme. I'll be down there and love to see you. Come down and see me. That's the Orsett Show. It's a great show, actually. Um, very rural, very country-like. Um, Helen from Corringham, you've sent us a text here and it just says, or oh, have they got a disease? I imagine you're talking about the bees. I don't know enough about bees, but that is a probability as well, Helen, isn't it? I'm going to go to some of the texts while you give us a call. 0800 111 that's the number to call. And we can get your calls in all the way to, up till 12 o'clock. But firstly, um, passion flower. Uh, Roger has got, he says it's in a trough. Well, that means it will struggle a little bit if in being in a trough, Roger, because that's not a huge amount of soil and luckily you haven't let it dry out at all. Um, you've done well to keep that going through the summer period. Um, all you need to do is prune to shape at this time of the year and then if it comes to life in the spring, cut out the dead and then retrain in the spring. Do not trim it now. That's Roger's 
uh, text that he has sent us. Um, then we go to Helen in Newham. Helen has an evening primrose growing in my 20-foot garden. It grows where it fancies each year. Um, it may be a weed, but I love it. How can I make it grow where I want to be? The only thing you can look out for is you can look out for seedlings, and if you find seedlings, um, you could replant them where they grow. So they will drop seed. I know I had uh, a very old aunt that lived in uh, near Gants Hill, and she had evening primrose all over her garden. And again, they they drop seeds, and then they came up again everywhere. So they are that's something to look out for as well. So they are that's uh, evening primrose. Look out for those seedlings in the spring. That's very important indeed. It's funny that she's in Newham and she was in, in Gants Hill, you see. It just shows you. Um, let's just catch up with Yvonne from Kelverdon. Yvonne from Kelverdon, you've given us a call, haven't you, Yvonne? Yes. Are you talking bees? Yes. Um, if I find an exhausted one... Yes. ..which, which I often do um, in the conservatory, mm -hmm. I dash indoors, yeah. get a spoonful of water and sugar... Yeah. Pick the bee up, feed it. It takes half an hour to feed it. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it will fly off. That's fantastic. I've so, done that a number of times. So you just feed it out of, a, out of a teaspoon, do you? Or? Well, anything. Anything. You just get either some sugar uh -huh. and water or honey and water and put the bee to it. And it's got a long tongue that uncurls. And it will then suck up the water and the um, sugar, and then you see it stretch its legs out, and off and it, it goes. Fly away. You've not been stung by any of these these no, little creatures you've been looking after. Never. It's whenever, so. Im whenever I see, if I'm out anywhere, art class or anything, as an exhausted bee. In fact, I carry with my art equipment. I carry a little bottle of sugar water and you help them and if i see an exhausted bee because often they've got done too much and they're exhausted yes feed them the sugar water and they're fine yvonne you're a fantastic person because bees are important to us for life remember we need them for pollination we need them for food so That's you're right. doing a fantastic job. And you have just sent a message to the whole of Essex that they can help bees in that way as well. Well, Yvonne. I hope they do because they will not sting unless they've got to. That's right. Because they... it kills them. Yeah. People, you mustn't be scared of bees. People, people always swipe them away, don't they? But you shouldn't. Yes. You should just leave them because they won't sting you unless they feel threatened, will they? No, they won't. Yvonne, thank you very much for your call. That's a really important call, Yvonne. And what a great, great bit of information there about looking after bees. Tired bees, fatigued bees. David from Chelmsford, what do you got for us? Yeah, it's similar to an earlier caller who had problems with gooseberries and blackberries. Yeah. Uh, black currants. Um, I've got a blueberry bush, which is about four or five years old. Yeah. Previous years, it's been fine. This year, no blossom whatever. But it was a, the leaves it, are very healthy. It's looked a right. very healthy bush. I, I have to be no honest. Blossom. I have to be honest. I don't know what cropping's like this year, but if you remember the spring, it could have been that yours were exposed to some bad weather. Mm -hmm. If they're if they're growing well, are you, you're you're feeding them at all or not? Yeah, yeah. 
What are you feeding them I'm with? I'm feeding them with a um, multi-purpose slow-release fertiliser granules. And have you got any signs of anything up the stems? Are they clean? The leaves are clean? Everything's yeah. clean? Yeah, every, the, the bush itself looks very, very healthy. I would not prune it particularly. I only like reducing the tops of those. That's all I would do to those. I wouldn't prune them, and I would start off in the spring by giving them tomato food in preference to... Uh, well, give them slow release and tomato food. Yeah, good, yep. In the spring. And let yep, me know fine. how you get on next year. OK? Yep. Lovely. Thanks very much. Uh, it's a pleasure. And we go to Hugh in rain. Hello, Hugh. Hello, Ken. About eight weeks ago, I phoned you tell you, telling you we've got a rogue plant in our hanging basket. Oh, yes, I remember that, yeah. You had uh, Dave Gillum in the studio at the yep. time, I think. Yep. And we all laughed that it might go five or six foot above the hanging basket. Yeah. Which, in fact, it has done. Yeah. And it's had a pink flower on, and now it's got seed pods. And we've made a few inquiries, and it appears it's Himalayan balsam. Ah, right. Do you know it's one of, that, was, that was one of the plants that we mentioned, didn't we? That yeah, came up because yeah, we yeah, said, is it a yeah. bit like a begonia? Didn't That's we? We went through it. Was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. Now, of course, with Himalayan balsam, um, the seeds just pop everywhere. So you have yeah. to be careful that you take the flower heads off before they go to seed. It's really right. important because yeah, it, okay. it's, classed as a, it's classed as a pest, which is a shame because it's actually a very attractive plant, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you very much, Hugh, for coming That's back right. to us. Yeah. Thank you. Um, think of just a quick thing about figs. Yes. Do they, do they get on the plant this year for right. next year? That's an interesting point that this year I've noticed, which is a bit of a problem, I think, is because the summer's been so good, a lot of the figs that are on trees now, they should only be the size of your fingernail. Which but are, a, actually, yeah. If yeah. they are, they will go through this winter because it's a two-year process to get a fig that's ripe. Right. So if yours is the size of your fingernail, it'll yeah. go through the winter quite happily and ripen up next year. What yeah. I've noticed is a lot of them are larger. They're nearly as big as my fat thumb sort oh, of thing. Right. Okay. And they right. might not go through the winter because they're too big. Oh, right. All also, right? we have revived bees by the same methods as that lady said about the yeah. sperm with children watering. Yeah. Very important to help them, isn't it? Yeah, very much so, yeah. Hugh, thank you for your call and thank Thanks, you for coming Ken. back over the rogue plant. That's, That's really, right. really good. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Give us a call if you want to squeeze you in. It's 0800 111 Um I've got a black current. This is from Rachel in Harlow. She's got a black current, Ben Sarek. We had some fruit from it this year. I imagine it's a new one because do I need to prune it and how would I go about pruning? Well, you, all you do with a black current is cut out the wood that has flowered or, and fruited. But it is not necessary. My dad only pruned them out, thinned them out, but he didn't take all the wood out. So you can actually leave it on if it's a very young plant. But that's what you actually do. You would cut out this year's fruiting stems and the new stems that have grown this year will produce your fruit uh, for next year. Um, I have some very large dahlias, dinner plate size. I've moved one because it was too big. This is not me. This is... Penny, she's moved it. Well, that's a bold thing to do with a with a, a dahlia at, through the summer period. Anyway, since moving, it's flower with a white flower where it was previously a beautiful lilac colour. I'm puzzled at how that could happen. They do. A, a pale lilac will actually turn white if it's stressed at all. 
the water change, anything could have changed and it could turn white. You're fine. It'll come true to colour next year. Look after it. It's really important. And let's uh, nip back to the phones and talk to David from Rayleigh. Hello, David. Hello. Uh, was that Ken? Yes. What have we got? Yeah, good morning, Ken. Um, yes, I've got this plant that's suddenly come up in my rockery. Yeah. It's got a massive stem on it. It's got massive leaves which look like uh, rhubarb leaves. And there's a couple of flowers suddenly come out in white which look like a dactura. Now, would that be correct? And if it, it is, is it poisonous? Right. Well, firstly, a datura hasn't got a leaf that's particularly like a rhubarb leaf. Um, it's a good twelve inches across on the leaf. Itself. No, that doesn't sound. That doesn't sound. That's not datura. Um, well, I looked up in the internet, and it looked as though that was as close right. like a get. Well, to it, it. if it is a datura, do the flowers hang down? No, they're going up. They're going up. I've that's, got about three buds on each. Um, could, branch coming off of it. Right, could be Brugmansia, which is what the similar sort of uh, plant is. The right. answer is yes, they in theory are poisonous, and yes, the stems are poisonous if the leaf is definitely uh, what you've spotted and checked yeah. on. Okay. You can always send me a picture on an email, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk, and I'll have a look okay. at it for you as well, David. I have sent one through to the RHS, but uh, haven't had a reply yet. Takes time from them. Before the flowers came out, but I'll yeah. send it through to you. Okay, thank you, David. If I take it out, because I'm going to be away for the next week, Yep. is it best to take it out, do you think? No, leave it and enjoy it. Yeah, OK. Yeah, <laughs> be it. there when you come back. OK? Thanks, thanks a lot. Cheers. OK, that's David in Rayleigh, and we're going to squeeze Fran in very quickly. Fran, what would you like to know? Hello, Ken. I've got my front hedge. There's about 15 hydrangeas. I've had them for 40 yep. years. And they've got terrible hydrangea scale this year. I've cut them right down to the ground, every tiny bit that's infected. What the heck can I spray them with? Right, the only thing that you can use... Is it, it is scale, is it? Yes, definitely. definitely right. Yeah. The only thing that you can spray it with, uh, in all honesty, is Bug Clear Ultra and Provado. But I would do Bug Clear Ultra for a spell and then change it to Provado. Okay. okay? Yes, but you ne you need to do that. Up. It's really yeah. important. Okay? okay. Thank you. Give it a go and keep going. But you're right Provado. to clean, clean and cut back. That's really important that you do that as well. We've had lots of calls, and sadly, we have had lots of texts and emails. And I have tried to get through most of the texts, but I can't get through all of them. So I'm sorry about that that we didn't get through them. And thank you for all your comments on figs and fig jam and all sorts of things like that. <laughs> The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the programme. Yes, every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.